Today I just want to talk about love um, because love is something that is really important as we run the race. As you know, the greatest commandment, love God, love your neighbors, you love yourself. So it's really important that we um, understand what love is from um, God's perspective and put that in our race or run with that. <laughs> um, and I just want us to start by reading 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3, to really understand why love is vital and why we have to um, really have a, a good understanding or a biblical understanding of what love is. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3, um, it says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all, all, of, all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So from this, we understand that if we run our race without love, it's really, we're doing it in vain. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians as well to run as those that want to obtain the, the prize at the end. So um, if we're to run our race well and obtain the prize, then love has to be embedded in everything that we do. So um, on that note, I just want us to think about, like, when you say that you love God, or when you say that you love your neighbor, or you love your spouse, or you love your children, what do you mean? You know, because we always say, oh, I love food, I love this person, I love my friends, and stuff like that. <laughs> but what do you mean? What's the standard you're basing that love on? How do you measure if you're loving someone so much or so little, if you're loving God well or not well, and stuff like that? So just think about that. And from my, my own experience, um, I've always looked at love as a transaction. Because growing up, uh, our parents didn't really tell us that they loved us, but they showed us that they loved us <laughs> by providing food and clothes and stuff like that. So for me, that's how I grew up to understand love. If you told me that you loved me, you had to show it. If there was no evidence, like gift or something of your love, then uh, you were lying to me. So. <laughs> And that became a problem. That is good because love is an action and we see that. But it became a problem when I became a Christian because if I prayed about something and God didn't answer me, then I felt unloved. And then I started doing stuff to kind of get in um, God's, good, God, God's good books. And that's legalism. So it affected my walk with God. And God had to take me on a journey of really understanding what love is and showing me how he has loved me then I, I can be able to, from that understanding, love other people. And that's where I want us to go, kind of show us how God has loved us and then replicate that in our, in our daily work. And so uh, when we look in the Bible, we see that there are like three definitions of love. So there's eros, which is like uh, the romantic type of love. There is filio, which is a love between friends. And then there's agape, which is the unconditional love that God shows us. But that's the love that we're called to show others. And that's the love that we're going to look, to, uh, look upon today. So I want to start with 1 John 4, 7, 8. And it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. And um, I just want to first stop there and see that from this scripture, we already see where love comes from. And if you want to know something, you always have to go back to the origin. 
And we see that from this scripture, it's already telling us that we should love other people or love one another, um, for love comes from God. So the love that we're supposed to show others has to be drawn from God. And then it goes on to show us how we can actually receive that love from God. And then it goes on to say, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God, for God is love. So from this we see that actually to draw or to plug in into the love that is from God, first we have to have a relationship with God, which is being born of God and that salvation uh, coming to his family. And then second, we have to know God, and that's having fellowship with God. Because you can't have a relationship with God, i.e. be saved, but you don't know God. And that shows that, um, here it says that if anyone, anyone who does not love doesn't know God. Not that isn't born of God, but doesn't know God. So your fellowship with God is what empowers you and gives you direction in how to love others and how to love God. So by doing these things, we see that we have the ability to love because God is love. Um, as we fellowship with, with someone, or the more you, you get to know someone and you hang out with them, you kind of become like them. So we're called to imitate God, but <laughs> we only imitate God if we spend time with him, if we develop a very deep intimacy with him. And so I just want us to look at, um, oh, hold on. First John 4.19 says, <laughs> we love because he first loved us. And the only reason why we are able to love God or our neighbor is because God first loved us. God showed us how to love by loving us. And so as we look to him and as we look at how he has loved us, then we'll pick up how we can do that for others. Um, So how has God loved us? I want us to talk about like three ways that God has loved us. There's many ways that God has shown his love for us, but I just picked three. Uh, So God has showed us his love by making a way for us to be in relationship with him. So as we saw earlier that the way we can plug into into the love of God is by being in relationship with him. And he went out of his way to actually make that um, way for us to be in relationship with him. Because as you know, creation story, God created Adam and Eve, gave them one command, don't eat from the tree of um, knowledge of good and evil, but they did. And the consequence of that was separation between man and God. And so God, because he loved us, because he could have easily just wiped us, like wiped Adam and Eve and all of them out, and just created a, uh, a other people that would love him, but he didn't. He actually went out of his way and thought of how to bring us back into relationship with him. And the Bible tells us in John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone that believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So we see that God showed us his love by actually giving us his son, by paying the price of the sin that we committed and um, bringing us back into relationship with him. So every time you think of Jesus, just know God loves you. (laughs) Um, Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I think this is such a beautiful like, scripture because it's, it's not when we said, okay, God, I want to follow you. Or, yes, okay, I'm ready now. I want to be your friend. Or I want to be in relationship with you. So it was before we didn't even want him. We were his enemies. We were not thinking about him. But God was thinking about us. And that's such a beautiful image of love. Like, he thought of us before we even thought of him. <laughs> um, 
So, and just at the end of that scripture, it says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. And yeah, so one of the ways God has um, showed us his love is actually by making a way for us to be in relationship with him. And as we are in relationship with him, then we have the ability to actually draw from his love and receive his love. The uh, second way that God has showed us his love is by giving us the Holy Spirit. So after God making a way to be in relationship with him, being saved and everything, he didn't say, okay, go on and figure out your life and, you know, do your own thing. He actually gave us the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, who is our guide, who is our counselor, he's our everything. And the Bible says in Romans 5.5, 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So when we commune with the Holy Spirit, we're communing with the love of God. And, and it's so like beautiful because God loved us by giving us himself. He gave us his son, Jesus, and then he gave us his, the Holy Spirit to really walk with us and journey with us on this um, walk with him. And we don't have to do it by ourselves. And then lastly, God showed us his love by restoring our fellowship with him when it's broken. So of course, now we have the Holy Spirit and we're living life, you know, we're running our race. And as we run our race, there are always things that will come in and break our fellowship with God. They won't necessarily um, make you unsaved, no, but they will break that fellowship with God, that you start not knowing God. And remember, how do you draw love from God is by being in relationship with him and by knowing him. So there are things that come up in life that actually break that fellowship and hinder us from knowing God or distort our understanding of God's love for us. And those two things that I speak of today is sin and legalism. So sin Sin is when, like, you, you want God's blessings, like you receive God's blessing, but you don't want his lordship. You receive it, and then you just want to go and do your own thing. And we're going to see the parable of uh, the prodigal son, or the two sons, really illustrate those two um, things. <laughs> illustrate those two things, but, yeah, sin distorts our view of God's love. And when we sin, and then we realize that, oh, actually, the world cannot satisfy us. We then go into that cycle of, oh, feeling condemned, and then just feeling like, oh, I need to work to gain favor with God, and then it becomes legalism. So it's like a whole cycle. But when you actually have an understanding of God's love, you can come back to him, because he says that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So it's only when you really understand that actually God loves you, that you're able to be like, okay, I've messed up, but actually I want to come back. And with legalism, I feel like legalism, it just distorts your identity because instead of acting like a son, not acting, being a son, being a child of God, <laughs> you become a, a slave, like you're working to be paid. And we know slaves are paid. So we're working to, for God to pay us with his love, for God to pay us with his mercy, instead of actually just freely receiving what he has given to us. And I just want to read uh, the parable of um, the prodigal son. And Jesus spoke about or told this parable because the Pharisees were complaining like Jesus why are you spending time with prostitutes and why are you spending time with uh, the tax collectors like we're holy and you're spending time with those people that are terrible and God gave uh, and Jesus gave this or told them this parable to really illustrate God's heart 
for the sinner and the Pharisees. So it's both of them. He loves both of them. <laughs> so to illustrate uh, the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father. And just to backtrack, a man had two sons. So these two people had relationship. They were i.e. saved in this context. <laughs> uh, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Uh, before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About, this, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The younger man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So just seeing, uh, oh, just talking about uh, this portion of scripture, we see that the younger son, he knew his identity, he knew that he was a son, and he knew that he had an inheritance because he was a son, and, but he just didn't want to be with the father. He just wanted his father dead. And so he went and asked the father, just give me my inheritance, I want to go. And that's sometimes what sin does. It makes things that God wants to give us so, uh, I don't know which word to use, but so good that we feel like, oh, if we enjoy these things in the presence of God or with the lordship of God, it's like, God, you're restricting me. No, I want to go and do my own thing. So he got his inheritance and he left. And there will always be a time when you're there out there, there will be a famine. There will always be a famine. And you come to your senses and be like, oh, actually, this world, it's empty. (laughs) It cannot satisfy me. And in that moment, the decision that you make will really depend on what your understanding of who God is. Because here we see that he knew that, oh, servants in, God, in my father's house, they eat well. And all he was caring about at that point was, I really need to eat. Like, I need good food at this time. And he just wanted to go back, instead of as a son, but as a servant. Um, and so... He got up and said, you know what, let me go. I'm going to repent. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And I'm just going to ask to kind of settle for a counterfeit relationship with God or with my father and just be a servant. So we see that he went back. Um, and then here it says that, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he, re- he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your father. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found, so the party began. So we see that actually the father's heart was filled with love and compassion, and that's how God sees 
each and every one of us. When we fall short, the enemy will come and tell us, oh, no, 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 he'll condemn you, you're guilty, you're full of shame, you're filthy. But actually, as Pastor Steve was saying, God sees you holy, he sees you blameless, and he has made a way to... He has made a way for each and every one of us to return to fellowship with him through repentance, through the blood of Jesus. And so instead of like feeling condemned or going through the cycles or feeling like, oh, I need to work on myself before I can come back to God. God is like, no, come back because it's him who has the ability to restore us back into that fellowship. And when he restores us back, then we can freely, freely receive his love. And then we're able to love him the way that actually he has called us to love him. And so I just want to encourage anyone, if you're going through the motions and if you're feeling like, oh, I need to perfect my prayer life, I need to perfect my Bible reading, I need to perfect my giving, or whatever you're really thinking, uh, before I can you know, serve God, before I can love him, before I can be sold out for him, God is saying, no, come, come to me. I, I will restore you. I'll give you that, the desires of your heart. I'll, I'll restore you and I'll give you that fire and that passion that you're longing for so that you can serve me well. So yeah, <laughs> and then we'll go to the older son. So meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he had music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of, his, of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his self-return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. So we see here, it's, it's kind of bizarre because you'd be like, oh, like your brother is back. Be excited. You know, he's been far away and stuff. But no, he was angry. And sometimes as believers, because you, you can't know you're walking in legalism until something happens. So sometimes as believers, we, we are working. We are like, yeah, I'm serving. I'm always at church. I'm the first there. I'm praying three times a day and all of that. I'm fasting. And then we're praying for this one thing. We're asking God, God, bless me, or God, do this, give me away, whatever. And God is, not, is maybe silent, or he's speaking, but you're not hearing. But then someone comes, like, two days with Jesus, and their prayers are answered. And you're like, what do you mean? Like, I, I deserve to be answered. You know, I've worked for this. I've worked for the favor of God. I've worked for the love of God. What do you mean that you're loving that person who has just spent two days in church? You know, two days with you. No, 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 no. I want want that. And I won't lie, I've been there because coming from a, a Catholic background where we had methods, like if you wanted to pass your exam, there was a prayer that you would pray and stuff like that. We had novenas, like we had specific ways we would do things. So us seeing people not following these ways and then getting blessed was like, what do you mean? Like, God, that's not fair. I've been praying, I've been kneeling, and you're there like, no, 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 no. I deserve this. <laughs> and we see like this was, um, this was the posture of um, the older brother. And it could be the posture of some of us here where we, we're seeing other people being blessed, but they're not doing as much as we're doing. You know, and still God loves that person. God loves that, that self-righteous believer. And he's still calling them back to that place. Because actually, it's a... Uh, let me first read the story. Right. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slept for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. Wow. Wow. 
And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. He was a son. Like, he had access to the father, but he was waiting to be picked. Like, you come, let me give you this. Let me bless you with this. But he had access to this. And that's how sometimes, you know, we, we may be where we're praying for this thing. But God say, like, it's here. Like, walk in the victory. Oh, walk in this blessing, but we're praying and we're waiting for, I don't know, to be picked, hand-picked by God. And then when we see other people that are freely walking in what God has given them, it's like, no, I, I want that. And God is like, it's there, but you're not walking in it. And it's because instead of having a, a son mentality, a sonship mentality, knowing that we are children of God, we have a slave mentality and we're waiting to be paid for our good work. You know, I, I was going to use um, uh, an, uh, an example of me and my mom. Like, I can annoy my mom sometimes. You know, I can annoy her. <laughs> but I know if I need anything, hmm, it's there. Like, I can just go and get it. Like, in the house, she buys the food and whatever. I'm not going to wait and be like, oh, mommy, can you please bring food for me? Can you go and cook it? No, it's like, it's there. Go and enjoy the food or go and do anything even if maybe I've annoyed her even if I've not annoyed her it doesn't really matter because I'm because I'm her daughter and I know that she loves me and we can work out what we have disagreed on I can freely enjoy what my mom has bought for all of us <laughs> and the, and so if my younger brother now Ryan is really like eating everything enjoying food whatever is in the house I can't be there and be like jealous of him or angry because it's like we have the same access to the things. Like our mom is rich, so like we can all go and eat. <laughs> but yeah, but we see the response of the father to, um, to the older son. And he says, his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. And I think for that person that may be struggling with legalism, I think God just wants you to know that all he has is yours. Your inheritance is there. He, like you don't have to pray 10 times a day. Just freely receive what he has given to you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in what God wants you to do. You don't have to work for things. You don't have to follow a routine. And I'm not saying like don't pray or don't read the word because <laughs> that's how you know God. <laughs> but I'm saying you, you're doing these things not out of duty but out of the love that God has placed in your heart already. And so because I love God, I pray. Because I love God, I read his word so that I can know him more. So yeah, uh, so we see that the father yeah, told him this and invited him to come and celebrate because when you understand your identity as a son, you're able to celebrate when other people come in because you have the heart of God. The Bible says that when one a sinner returns into the house of God, heavens rejoice. So why are you here on earth not rejoicing? You know, when God, like when, when you have that revelation of being a child of God or being a son of God or what you have available as um, his daughter or his son, you're able to celebrate with him because you have his heart and you have his mind concerning um, unbelievers, concerning people that are backsliding, concerning anyone really. Um, so it's not something that we can work to get to because sometimes with legalism, at least for myself, I remember you condemn yourself for feeling like that, especially when you're aware that you're feeling like that. But God is saying, come, come to me and I'll restore you 
back into fellowship with me and then I can fill you with my love and you won't have to work to be compassionate. You will be compassionate because I've filled you with that compassion. So, where, um, so from this, um, from the different uh, scriptures we've looked at today, we can see that God's love is an action he gave us. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us his son. God's love is sacrificial. He didn't just buy us with gold or silver or anything, like because we know heaven is full of gold and all of those things. He didn't pick anything that was just common. He gave us his one and only son. It cost him his son to, to save us. And God's love is faithful. When the Bible tells us in Romans 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God, I think sometimes we think like, oh, so nothing can separate me from the love of God. Like, I have to like, work to make sure that nothing separates me from the love of God. But actually, it's because God is faithful, because God pursues you when you're walking with him rightly and when you've sinned and when you may be feeling self-righteous, God is faithful. He faithfully pursues you. That's why nothing can separate you from God's love. And I just want us to really like, have that at heart because sometimes we, we, lose, we lose that... Uh, what's the word? The simplicity of God's love, you know, and many things come in, many revelations come in, but at the, at the foundation of uh, everything that we do as we run our race, every morning when we wake up, we've got to be fully convinced that I am loved by God. Because when you're fully convinced by that, then you will love people that are unlovable. You will do things that even you yourself are like, oh, I didn't think I could do this. But it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit in you, you know, helping you to do that. So today, today we've um, talked about, we've talked of how the Bible defines love. We've also looked at how we define love before we spoke about the Bible. I hope you remember the definition. But we see that God is love. So in order for us to love God and those around us, we need to first receive God's love. And we need to, we do that by identifying as his children. So coming into his family and that's through salvation and then having fellowship with him and that's just building your life around God knowing his word communing with him being fellowshipping with other believers that's how we, we know God that's how we fellowship with God that's how you know his mind that's how you know his heart concerning things and we've looked at the two things that um, can distort our understanding of God's love and that's sin because it breaks our fellowship with God and it later distorts our identity with God. As we saw the younger son, he wanted to come back as a servant, but God didn't allow that. But, you know, sometimes sin, it will make us come back as servants. So we see that sin breaks our fellowship with God and later distorts our identity. And legalism, which is rooted in a false identity in God. And so sometimes we can feel like we're having fellowship with God, but if you don't understand your identity, then the fellowship won't be rooted in love. It will be just a duty. So our challenge this week is to abide in God's love and remain present every day in God's love. And the scripture that um, I wanted to leave us with is 1 John 4, 15 to 16, which says, All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So my question to you today, and really for the month of August, is do you know how much God loves you, and have you put your trust in that love?
Have you put your trust in his love? And every day when you wake up, when you go to work, when you go to uh, school or holiday, wherever you're going, ask yourself, do I know how much God loves me? And have I put my confidence in that love for me today? And if you haven't, then go back to the word and meditate on his love for you. Go back and ask him to fill your heart with, with his love. Because when he does that, life will be so, it will be, not easy, but it will be much easier because you're not running on your own work. You're not running on your own strength. You're running on the love of God. And that means you're fulfilling the greatest commandments. You're loving God and you're also loving your neighbor as you're loving yourself. So I hope today we learned something. But yeah, thank you so much.